When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey friends, it's Mark Bittman, host of Food. If you haven't listened yet, we talk about recipes, of course, and a lot about cooking, but also about injustices in the food system and how America's food policy is moving both forward and backwards. We had climate expert, genius, and all-around great guy Bill McKibben, Leslie Nicole, who's Downton Abbey's Mrs. Patmore, and legendary Gullah Geechee cook Emily Meggett. We've got much more in store for you. Fantastic guests like Alice Waters, Dan Levy, Cory Booker, and Jack Bapan, plus our customary recipes and, starting soon, commentary or, depending on the day, rants. Please check us out. I'm sure you'll like the podcast. Thanks. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Ah, well, it's been a few weeks and there's been quite a lot that's happened since then. Lissandro Martinez winning the World Cup, Man United storming into the top four, Liverpool looking absolutely woeful. Oh yeah, Christmas too, I forgot about that. But <laughs> Matt and Val, lovely to have you back on, lads. Evening, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah, shit. Happy New Year as well. As I said, quite a lot happened. Val, how are you doing down there? You, you back off the toilet there. We had to delay for 10 minutes. For you, oh, you know? well, you're feeling, you're feeling good now. Sh- thanks for sharing all my business. Oh, mate, yeah, we, we share everything on this podcast. Come on. Just finishing off, the, finish off the left leftover cheese of Christmas. and. Did you manage to get it all done? The cheese? Yeah. yeah well done. A couple, I, of I, I, couple of grapes and, grapes and crackers left, but main, <laughs> main stuff's just gone. Ah, but look, how was your Christmas? Yeah, well, yeah. Santa treat you well? Yeah, it was very good. You went away your family for seven days, didn't you? Yeah, well, family for five days, and they fucked off, and then my mates came with their kids. So we were up in the Lancashire, Yorkshire hills, so it was nice. It did so, look yeah. nice. I remember the video you sent over. It looked pretty damn good. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's it good, but it just got too much because you'll just... Sometimes you have, like, you might have a reset day where you don't drink or eat as much, but this was just relentless every single day. But, um, but yeah, it was good. It was good. So it's Christmas. What about you, Matt? 
No, quiet one. It was very nice. We had the uh, father-in-law and my dad round, and that was it. And New Year's Eve, I was tucked up in bed. Half ten? Yeah, well, half ten. dream, you are. I know. I think I think I was the same. New Year's, I'm not be a very... No, I don't really, don't really give a shit about it. The clock strikes 12 like any other day. Um, I'm not going to tell you what time my New Year's ended, but it didn't end at half ten. <laughs> <laughs> got, got the old X out, did you? Ah, <laughs> oh, mate, I was quite good. Actually, no, I wasn't. I was terrible. But it's, well, I went to a, went to a house party, and I got request I got requested to play Bewitched. And as, as soon as that happened, I was like, "Wow, well, wrong crowd, wrong crowd. No chance here. I want no chance." <laughs> well, now look, United are looking good. Hey, we can come here with a big old smile on our face, heading into 2023. 2022 as a year was a, I don't think we're going to look back on that year with any mega fond memories. There were a couple of games here or there, but it was the end of Solskjaer was 2021. Ragnick coming in. Football was, well, painful. Ten Hag coming in and that was the beginning of something new. But since we've come back, we've had, was it three games, three wins? 2-0, 3-0, 1-0. League Cup, two games in the Premier League, three clean sheets. United now into the top four. I think it's the first time this season we've been into the top four. Um, mm. And this week so far, you've got Spurs losing to Villa. Liverpool just lost to Brentford. I hope that I hope that Klopp is getting absolute pelters in the same way that uh, Ten Hag did. By the way, we lost four 0 They lost three one, but it was equally as dismal performances. They, they, well, they had, Brentford had two goals disallowed. I think as well could have been five. Mm. Um, Chelsea dropping points away at Forest, mate. I think if we if we if Man United can beat Bournemouth, I think we go five points ahead after seventeen games. I think it's equal on games. We go five points ahead of Chelsea. No, five points ahead of Spurs, seven points ahead of Liverpool, and ten points ahead of Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea play City this week. Yeah, and Chelsea Ar- plays Arsenal play Newcastle. Mate, you know, you know when you you look at the fixture list, and. We do it so often. You go, like, okay, who have we got coming up? Right, we've got Forest, we've got Wolves, we've got Bournemouth. You're like, right, nine points. Nothing but nine points. And United never do it. There's always something happens in one of the games and you just never get the nine points. Now, that might happen, and we'll speak about Bournemouth in a bit. But two kind of different different sort of performances. Like, we, There's not really too much point focusing on Burnley. Um, it was nice to sort of brush the cobwebs off, win after coming back from the World Cup. Big up Lissandro Martinez, by the way. And big up Lissandro Martinez. Um, beat Burnley, but then go back to the league. And doing that against Forest, it was a very comfortable 3-0 win against Forest. Really comfortable. Mm. It, was a, it wasn't the, the strongest of starts, but we just kind of eased into it. Mm. And then Wolves, different. And Wolves, I hate playing Wolves. I'm sure you, Black Bow, you love playing Wolves because it's the best away day for you. But I hate yeah, playing Wolves. Did you take yeah, well, this time? Uh, yeah, yeah, me and Matt, we both had the lads with us. So we we both front row. Um, so I look, we we were talking in the game. It's great from a viewing point of view, but like when Rashford scored, because the away end is so spread out, it's like it's like somebody just cheering like a corner or something normally because there's not a real crescendo of noise because it's going all the way across and you don't yeah. really don't really hear it because you're only really hearing those around you. What give or say 10, 10 12 rows. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think we're always in control against Wolves um, at one nil. It then just came to the silly decision making in the final third, that final pass. I think Donny van der Beek, Beek had one. There's a couple of others where it's like, you know what? Get the second, get the job done, get out of here. And and then I think going back to the Forest game, um, it, it had the makings of a typical United against a small team in the last few years where you have chance after chance after chance and keeper has a blinding day. 
and you had to have a fr- frustrating game. And it's good that we got the the two goals before half time because it gave us that cushion. You know, so you know what, Farish have to come out and play now. Um, and then, like you said, it was just is routine in the sense that don't pick up any injuries, keep fresh, get to the next game, and the same again now. So we got got busy ten days. I think believe up and what, what what day are we on now? Is it Monday? I think <laughs> yeah, you're you're at that point now where <laughs> yeah. you still don't know what day it is. <laughs> yeah, so we got obviously we play we play Tuesday, Friday, um, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Saturday. So we have got four games in the next thirteen or well, twelve days. So it's gonna be a busy period. Use your squad. Um, but yeah, it's it's looking positive, mate. It's it's it's, it's looking more than positive, mate. It's, it, we're, I think well, obviously top four ambitions. Everyone had them this year. But looking at what that top four, like, it was always going to be hyper-competitive inside this top four this year. and But then if you look at Liverpool and the way they're, I mean, they really are, well, I thought they were going to come back from this for the second half of the season just kind of be just a, a different-looking team. But same issues still exist, which is good news for everyone else. Um, Newcastle looking far more than a bigger threat for the top four than Liverpool, Spurs and Chelsea, all combined, really, so far. I'm sure that could change, but... I mean, it's 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 good, you know. At the same time as United coming into form, everyone else is wobbling. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's well. You've seen what the results we've had over this last uh, last week of uh, Boxing Day and uh, the, uh, the games in between. Spursy are being Spursy, which is quite nice to see. It'd be interesting to see what happens now with the window open. Some clubs are going to spend. I think they need to spend. Chelsea. I think in Potter when he started, he had nine games unbeaten or one seven on the bounce or something stupid like that. But they just looked awful yesterday against Forest. And when we played Forest, I thought Forest was probably the worst team I've seen at Old Trafford for a very bad. long time. Very woeful. Uh, but with Chelsea falling apart, Newcastle, they don't look like they're going anywhere. They don't look like they're going to spend either. I think it all... I'll probably come on to it later in the pod about what we're doing in the window. But like I said, roll into Bournemouth tomorrow, get the three points, get the job done. And then we've probably got, I wouldn't say two easy games... But I imagine Everton will probably bring, what, 9,000 to Old Trafford on Friday night, Bound Will it be a bumper away crowd? Yeah, it should be yeah. FA Cup. So you've got the so, FA Cup on Friday, and then we've got Charlton at home on Tuesday. And then it's the big one, isn't it? It's City. So, four, home, four home games in a row, then, isn't it? Yeah. So, But no, uh, you, you, and you, you look at the squad, and we'll come on to it as well, but Aaron Wambazaka, he's put in probably the three best performances he's had for Manchester United. And... I was the first one to throw him under a bus and say, get rid. I think he'll still leave in, in due course, but he's doing a job for us and he's doing a fantastic job. And absolutely, he was, I thought he was, he's been brilliant the last three games. From a bloke who, who couldn't kick a ball, he probably can't, still can't kick a ball, but the blocks he was putting in, the defending he was doing, his positional sense. But I think it's key, he's got Varane next to him. which yeah. I, think, I mean, Varane's due an injury now, so he's played three or four on the bounce, so he's due something, isn't he? So, uh, but no, it's Luke, Luke Shaw was saying that about Baran, where he's like talking to him through the game, talking to him it. before it's... the game. So it's it's having that leadership there, and you've kind of now got that leadership through the team. De Gea, Baran, yep. Casemiro, you're coming through. We we were saying it watching that game. We are just lacking that goal scorer now. You know who <clears throat> you're going to give him three chances, he's going to get you two goals. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's the difference between where this team is now. And get into that next level. I mean, we may very well may be able to find get some more consistency in come what March, April. Shit, you're in a bit of an outside chance of the title. But to get where City, I mean Arsenal, I think have been 
I'm not, I'm not gonna say lucky. They've they've been they've been playing well. They've had a lot of fortunate, been fortunate with injuries, but they've got a difficult games. I mean, look, it's a long 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 way to go. I'd I'd love to slag Arsenal here, but they've still <laughs> come back and they've managed to do that. Gabriel Jesus is out for three months and they're still winning games, and he is the main man that they've got up front. So I have to give him a little bit of credit. And like, you're talking about City, we got City and Arsenal like back to back fixtures. That it, it's it's just it's cracking, and that's why I wanted to mention that um, little cushion that we've got. If we beat Bournemouth, that cushion we've got over Chelsea, Spurs, and um, Liverpool will be really important because. I can't see us picking up six points against Arsenal and, and, and we'll see. We'll speak about that a little bit later. But I'll rewind there to um, speak about a couple of players in, individually. I did not expect Luke Shaw to be anywhere near as good at centre-back. And one, one question I want to get, is he six foot one? It's Wikipedia says he's six foot one. I can't look at Luke Shaw and think he's six foot one. How tall is he? Is he actually six foot one? No. Well, he must be because... He's not... He's like Dennis being six foot. Come on. I'm putting him, <laughs> him in the same category. I don't know, man. He must be, but he, he's looked very, very good. In his, um, I didn't expect Wan-Bissaka to put in the performances he's done at right back. I didn't expect Luke Shaw to put in the sort of performances he's done at left centre-back. And I have to give a lot of credit to Ten Hag and the, and what he's... He must be instilling something into these players. To, he's making them play better. I know it says he's six foot one, but there's no way he's six foot one. Right. I mean, he, he is. He obviously is, but it just it just doesn't make sense. Uh, but the good thing about that is, by the way, is that Barca away, we know full well that we've got Luke Shaw who can deputise now instead of... We, we were worried about Harry Maguire and Lindelof having to play there if Varane was injured because Martinez mm. is suspended for the away leg. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Luke, Luke Shaw would probably play in there. But um, Casemiro, can we have a little couple of minutes talking about Casemiro, please? Please, just, just say what you want. Longer than that. I was saying to my mate the other day... I'd... It's only until you you kind of see him up close and you realise just how how good he is and to, just the control on the ball. He, he doesn't panic or get it, but more Matt will come on to it. It's like his, his snidiness, like we were under a bit of pressure coming out from, from, with Wolves and the balls come out of the box and he just put his body in front of the ball and another more combative midfielder with a bit more legs would say, okay, you know what, I'm going to get away from here. And he's thought, you know what? I'm not. I'm just going to stop and let the guy run into me and fall down. And I've got, got a free kick. But I think he's brilliant. I think took a bit of time at the start where people were scratching their heads like, what the hell have we paid all this money for? But I think you're slow. everyone is slowly but surely seeing um, how good he is. I mean, Matt, you'll be able to say here, but after the Forest game, everyone was um, just salivating over how good he was. But on, like you said, on TV, you always see a different game. To, to what you see in the he's, stands? He's brought a bit of calmness and it's no surprise that we've three clean sheets. He's, he's just, and it's, he was over, I mean, didn't Sooner stick the boot into him when he, when mm. we signed him or something? He'd come out with another stupid comment, didn't he? I think steady Graham Sooner. called him. Pardon? Called him a steady Eddie. That was it. And, there's no reason why you got Tony Cruz and Modric. He's won, he's won everything at Real Madrid. And the, as Bow said there, it's the little snidiness of putting his body in the way. I'm going to put the brakes on and you're going to hit me. I'm going to go over. I'm going to buy another 45 seconds. I'm going to dust myself down and you're going to do it again in three minutes' time. He's done it about four times on the bounce on the edge of our box. But mm. he's strong. I didn't realise he was that strong. Everyone was bouncing off him. And like you said, credit where it's due, I think he's given us that air of calmness in midfield. And 
and Ericsson as well. I think Ericsson's not shone, but with him and Ericsson in there, it's it's a proper midfield now. Uh, I've just got my my concern at the moment would be Anthony. I don't know what you what you boys mm. think of him at the moment. I don't know if it's the price tag weighing down on him. I don't know. I don't know. But the jury's out. That's a bit harsh because he's got to settle. Big transfer fee, which is not his fault, but it's a big transfer fee regardless. I just, I don't know if he's trying too much. I like, it, mate. He scored on his debut, and it was a cracking goal against that. So I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he can't succeed at United. But he doesn't take a player on, which I'm still find a bit confusing. Like he, he always turns back, and that must just be a confidence thing because he did that. Ajax, he did that. It's not as if it's not part of his game. So I mm. don't know whether it's down to Ten Hag coaching it out of him, whether it is a confidence thing. But look, Jaden Sancho's being sort of not cast into the shadows because he's kind of Ten Hag's trying to do him a favour rather than something negative. Uh, but he's been allowed to sort of exist in the shadows, away from the spotlight. We've seen now with Marcus Rashford, like Rashford is shh. Rashford looks for me better than he did in 2019-20. He looks mm. like he's He's really taking it on his shoulders and he kind of wants to lead. As well as just scoring goals, he's trying to drag everyone else upwards. Um, I mean, just talk, talking about strength, how he kind of manhandled that wall yeah, centre. He's, he's trying to drag many goals out, does he? he get off, get off me, use his strength. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just my only fear at the moment. Like Of the attacking players, say midfield onwards, he's the only one kind of playing with a bit of confidence. Um, Marshall just getting his game time back. Garnacho still very young. I, I, Anthony, again, as much as you think, he's like still settling. So we are relying a lot on the confidence of R- Rashford at the moment, um, and then Bruno um, adding what he does. Um, but it helps when you're solid behind them. Like we today, when Varane and Casemiro have been on the pitch, we haven't conceded a single goal yeah. in any competition. Um, four hundred. I think it's like four hundred seventy-five minutes they played together. And if, and if you think if you think about that, there's there's been very it's been very rare where Ten Hag has had like his best and strongest eleven on. I'm talking like Verano Martinez, Casemiro in there with Martial, Anthony, and Rashford all all up front, all together. That it's kind of always been one person or chopped and changed somewhere, which I suppose kind of always happens in football. But it just it just bodes well. Like going into this Bournemouth game, I've just got confidence that I think we're going to put them away. Mm. Bournemouth, like Bournemouth's results, like they've won, they haven't won since November in the league. Obviously, you've got the World Cup in between. They haven't scored in the last three games. They've got Kiefer Moore and, and Dominic Solanke up front. I'm like, are they really going to cause that many problems? They're not going to run in behind. They play 5-3-2. They will sit back. We will control the game like we do against Forest. It's whether or not we can break it down. Something I want to see, because you're right in kind of pointing out that United have got a bit of a single point of failure right now. If Rashford doesn't play well, you can't receive really goals really coming mm. from anywhere. I kind of like our midfield to kind of step in with a few more. Bruno's playing well right now, but I know Bruno's capable of getting more. And I'm I'm mm. I'm always one to defend Bruno against the criticism. And this isn't a criticism of Bruno, but I'm looking at him and saying, I want him to start chipping in with a couple of goals. I think Eric's yeah. gonna do it as well. Mm. And try and yeah. spread the load away from Rashford. I think with I think where Forest's game was key was the fullbacks did I think quite well first half. And where if you're if you're saying as as you are they're going to play with five then you're going to need your fullbacks to get forward. But like the other day, Anthony and Wambasaka didn't really have an idea what the other was going to do. Um, and if Shaw's playing inside, then 
you relying on Malassia and who? Well, presumably Ma- Martin Ma- uh, Ten Hag said that he th- he's pretty confident that McTominay and Martinez will be back in the squad. I don't know whether Martinez will be fit to start. If he is fit to start, Luke Shaw is going back in his best position, and Luke mm. Shaw is an extremely progressive. <clears throat> player he always brings the ball forward he, I think it was one of the best mm. ball progressors at the World Cup out of the whole World Cup I think he was in top five mm-hmm. and at United he does the exact same thing um mm. Shaw is a player who is kind of doing what he did before the World Cup before the Euro sorry with uh England you know when he had mm. that storming season mm. he's looking very mm. very good at this particular moment in time again I'm going down to you're right in pointing out playing alongside Varane's helping him but just <sighs> Casemiro, man. Casemiro, for me, is the key and the link to all of this. It's it's almost like we've needed to sign a fucking defensive midfielder for like six, seven, eight years. Like it wasn't that it wasn't that hard to see, but United just never did it. We just we never had the the smart yeah. the intelligence to sign that right player. And, you know, and the mad thing is, is that it probably wouldn't well, it wouldn't have been Casemiro had we done what we wanted to do this summer. Mm-hmm. Had had we signed De Jong, we wouldn't have got Casemiro. Had uh, Adrian Rabiot's mum not being a bitch and demanded double money for him, we probably would have signed Rabiot and not Casemiro. Mm. But we did. I'm I mean, the good thing about him is like he doesn't look nowhere near his age. If you look at kind oh. of other other midfielders who in the league who played there a long time, I think he could easily play there three three years for what, what ground he covers. I don't think he covers much ground. He doesn't need to, does he? That's what I mean. He's, he's too clever. Play, play the game in your head. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, like, like tomorrow is just. I think one of those games for us where it looks routine on paper, but we've always last few four years, three four years, come and stuck in this. And we've got. I think I don't know if it was offline you were talking about it or online. Um, about the the chance we win tomorrow, the points gap we yeah. have between those those teams below us. So you've almost got a really good. A really good um, opportunity to kind of say, you know what, those two games against Arsenal and City, they're free hits in a way. Free hits where, you know what, go out. I think with City, I don't think you can go with the same gung-ho as we did where there, there was gaps all over the pitch in terms of the Etihad when we got blown apart. Um, but you know what, go for them in that game, those two games. What, what's, what, what's worse that's going to happen? I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ever call them free hits, but I know exactly what you mean in the yeah. idea that Arsenal were. Well, there's only one team that's beaten Arsenal this year, and mm. it's fucking United, right? And it, Arsenal came to United when they were flying, and we beat them. And but, they, but equally on another day, that game could have gone the other way as well. Of course, yeah, that wasn't a game where we blew them away in any way, shape, or form. But United are just. This is the mentality switch that we're yet to. Um, achieve as a fan base mm. so sod knows what the mm. players are doing is you're right is going into these games going oh fucking hell normally we slip up in these whereas in reality we should be saying mate we're playing it's Bournemouth at Old Trafford man yeah. like, it's three yeah. points like it's a banker yeah. like, we, it, should, it, we should I think that's just coming as me having the confidence in this set of players to say you know what they're going to go out they're going to fucking win today mm. there's so many times you go, you go to that stadium and then you walk out and like, how the hell has that just happened have we have we just seen that performance or that result. Um, so, yeah, um, I mean, look, it's it's a big, big two weeks. Um, like I said, consolidate um, the gap between the others and top four. Then you're going into the two domestic cups, one with a chance of putting yourself in a semi-final. And if you, if you avoid City, 
you you potentially say you got a very good chance of getting to the cup final come February. So you can't complain. You can't complain. It's it's where you want to be as a fan. You don't want to be like last season where we practically were out of everything come the second, third week of March. Mate, it's, it, the it, season it, season's it, over. It's nice, and the the, re- the thing that's making it just just as good is watching everyone else wobble uh, because. I, as I said, I didn't expect Liverpool to come back from this uh, from this break and really just repeat the same sort of mistakes they're doing. But for a team that is genuine, well, there was people that genuinely tried to argue they were the greatest ever Premier League team. Their era has been a bit shit. I've got to be completely honest. It, it took Van Dijk uh, off at half time today. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just to say you don't like to see it. Do you? you don't like to see it. <clears throat> apart, no. from, apart from the fact you do, and everyone knew really that Graham Potter going to Chelsea could end up being like it is, but they're, they're looking at about talking Enzo Fernandez for like 100 mil in January. I mean, I like Enzo Fernandez. I think it would be a good signing. Do I think we should be paying 100 mil? Even if we had proper owners, 100 mil for him is a... Wah. I mean, that's just what Benfica do, isn't it? Right? They paid like 10 mil for River, from River Plate in the summer. But I suppose, look, we've got to have a talk about the January transfer window. Mm. I mean, going, to, going, going to Chelsea, I think it just, it just looks from the outside now... Exactly what we did under yeah. those Van Gaal. We usually just, just throwing money, hoping it's going to stick somewhere. Uh, the, the amount of money that Koulibaly, Fafana, they're looking at this this lad now from Monaco. How much yeah. do they want to spend on on, on defenders? <laughs> well, they just, I think they've signed him like forty mil for Badi. Mm. They haven't actually made it official, but forty mil. And they're talking, as I said, about eight hundred mil plus on Enzo Fernandez. They've <laughs> the funniest one was surely Lukaku, and then loaning him back out to Inter. <laughs> <laughs> But but Aubameyang now he's he's been banished effectively. <laughs> uh, who could possibly have predicted that signing Aubameyang wouldn't be a good signing for team morale? Hmm, nobody, nobody could have seen that coming. And then Spurs. I mean, me and Matt, me and Matt were speaking about it before Val. But do you remember the clamour from quite a few fans? Matt, mm. Matt admitted it himself about wanting to bring Antonio Conte in, and it was it was just. For me, it was such a short-term concept, and it's kind of been proven correct now. Not just by, not, not just by what Ten Hag is doing, but what's happening with Conte at Spurs. It was all too predictable, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, when he was at Chelsea, I used to say to my mate, "You go, you got five defenders, two defensive midfielders, and then you effectively pay me three three attackers. That that that's your football, and that wouldn't. I think he's he's a lot more negative than Jose is." And Jose, Jose gets battered for it, but because he has these quick counter-attacking players where he relies on the your likes of your Bentecurs and you know you've got those combative athletic midfielders who can then switch from defence to midfield or to attack. Um, but yeah, I think he's been dealt a bad hand in the sense that it spurs. They're not gonna. They're not gonna give him an, an empty checkbook like he he wants. He's exactly like Jose. He needs to be able to. He's not going to... Who's that lad they bought from five? Jed Spence. Yeah. He's like saying, this isn't my signing. This is the club signing for the future, but I'll allow it. So he wants players for today, not for tomorrow. Do you, do you think... Um, do you think Conte's sort of... His struggles at Spurs, not just to do with the transfers, but to do with the style of football. Do you think it's just that football's kind of moved forward a bit? You look at what Klopp's done with Liverpool, size what Thomas Frank's doing at Brentford what Ten Hag's trying to do at United, Guardiola's done at City, that that sort of football from Conte and that style just won't really cut it in the Premier League anymore? Or do you reckon it still could? If Conte was given the money, it would still work. 
He hasn't got the players. I think, I think when, yeah, I think he? when they're effective, when they when he's got those players to do so, mm. Spurs Spurs can be. I think didn't, didn't they beat City with, with him last year? I'm sure they beat City in the league. Uh, right. but yeah, they did that at the Etihad. Yeah, they won. Right. They won at the they won at the Etihad. So it's not as if they they can't. But trying to produce that week in week out, week in week out, you can't just sit every game with your first plan is not to concede. As a top team, you you can't. I mean, there's so many games where they've been one nil down or two nil down. There's a Leeds game. Last ten games in a row, they've been one nil down. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So I mean, it's the same as talking to Liverpool. The amount of games they got behind there. So we're suddenly now you 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 you're going one nil up like we did the other day. And think you know what? We'll we'll grind out a win here. Yes, the other team's always going to get a chance later on, especially with the home. But then relying on good defending or a great save like De Gea made. Um, mm. But you you're going to get those 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 tough games that you have to grind out. We've had a few um, of them. Well, what was what, what were the ones earlier this season? Was it Southampton? Um, was mm. it Leicester? I think it was Leicester as well. Yeah, Leicester, yeah. I think we did it two times in a row, and we were like, well, "We don't really do that." Normally, we concede. Mm. If we ever sit back on that one 0 lead, we always concede mm. late. I mean, if you look at it, I think we've got the most most clean sheets in the top six, but we've got the worst goal difference. So it's almost like we need a striker bell. Yeah, well, <laughs> the issue the issue isn't isn't at the back. So. I think that's it. I mean, from one point of view, I'm I'm glad the the goals are being spread out across the team. It's not we're not just relying on one man like Ronaldo did last year. Everybody from the midfield is chipping in. Um, but you do need that man who's going to like Haaland is at City, going to get or Kane is at Spurs. Well, look, um, right, the, it's the January transfer windows open. Um, Cody Gakpo situation caught us all a little bit by surprise. I think that was probably the man that Ten Hag wanted. That was a reasonable <laughs> mate. Liverpool paid like 37 mil for him, which is a steal for a player that young who's had a World Cup like he's just had. But the Glazers are selling. They've spent all the money in the in the bank. We've got 24 million in cash. We're losing two and a half million a week. We don't have clearly we don't have any money to spend. Like the Glazers have back cancelled their dividends. They haven't, they haven't got enough money to pay themselves their dividends, let alone actually buy new players. But Ronaldo left. We saved like 12, 15 million on his wages. If we can get someone in, who do we get? Well, I'm not going to ask you like specifically as who, who do you think we could sign in January, but do you think United will be able to get someone in January that can genuinely affect the second half of this season? I just don't, yes. I just don't know who's, who's, who's available. I don't know who. Who's available? I think, we can get, I, think we, I think we can get someone. I think anyone. I mean, I mean look at... George, look, Going back to Tony yesterday or Saturday, what day is it? Monday. So going back to Tony, he was woeful Saturday, and like you two called him out there. Well, not called him out. Said if we don't, if Rashford doesn't score, we need other serious players to chip in. So who's going to do that? And Tony, Tony was you was there, Bal. He was woeful Saturday. Mm. The sulky attitude mm. was there, and I know what you're saying. Uh, you said it there, Sam, about well, he hasn't had his front three of his Anthony, Tony, and uh, Marcus. But I don't, I don't. Tony, we know Tony's not the answer. But if he's putting performances like that in on Saturday, we need someone now, not someone mm. in July, June. Who who's out there? I mean, you see Felix banded about us because it's Mendes and it's the biggest name out there at the moment. Would I take him? Like you said, there you, you save twelve million on Ronaldo's wages, and this loan deal potentially costs twenty million quid with his with a structure. I, don't, I, don't, I think it's a no brainer for going for him. 
and he, we need a striker. End off, need one. And let's say a Galo is not available. It, so is is he's not a goal scorer? Is he a goal scorer though? I mean, he's not really a number nine in any way, shape, or form. He's somebody who can play through in the middle. If, if hypothetically we were to sign him, you'd be operating more as a false nine more than anything else. You'd be looking at overlaps and then cutbacks. If you think about how he played in the preseason, you know how we were like every every time we got a ball into a crossing position, we didn't swing it in, we cut it back to the edge of the box, and that's probably somewhere where Jao Felix would actually do really quite well. I mean, um, what's what's the situation with Juventus and you know, with their, all their board resigning and Vlahovic? Mate, I've been saying that, man. United need to go out there and test the waters just in case they bite at the idea of taking him off their books for like six, eight, six months to help their to help balance their own sheets. Uh, not balance their sheets. <laughs> balance balance their what? sheets. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> but look, I think I, I think that's genuinely a conversation that should be had. It might be a, just a straight no, but we'll give you five million and cover mm -hmm. his wages for the rest of the season. What do you think? Because Vlahovic is a pure out of number nine. Mm. I mean, I, I would say if you, there's no one in the market now, and I was talking to another mate about it. If, if the Spurs situation carries on like it does, which I think how it will do, and we have a good end to the season, hopefully get a trophy, get a top four finish, why wouldn't you throw absolutely everything to get Harry Kane? 100%. I think he's absolutely man made for this Manchester United team now. I think, for this team. I think my trepidation towards Kane previously was when we had the Glazers as owners because mm. I think I realistically realised that the idea of signing Harry Kane means we're just not signing anybody else and I, I didn't want that but I agree with you completely now There's the one big hole in this team is a striker mm. the last time we went out and signed the best striker in the Premier League we won the league I'm not saying that that would happen with Harry Kane but if you're talking about ready-made no adjustment time, desperate to finally win the trophy. I mean, there's not going to be anybody better than him, right? There mm. really isn't. And there aren't going to be, I don't know who else is going to be available in the market. I'm sure there will be other strikers available come that time. Gonzalo Ramos is going to be one that obviously comes up. Probably would cost the same amount, actually, as Harry Kane, considering Benfica just charged insane amounts of money for their players. Mm. I mean, he's only be, he'll only be a year older than what Van Persie was when, we, when he signed. Was he How old is Harry Kane? 29? He'll still be 30 in July. 30 in July. How much do you think is a realistic price then if we went after Harry Kane? Say we've got new owners in, we go after like, Harry Kane in the summer. It's because you signed that stupid contract. You've got to think about 100 million. 100 million for Well, Maybe if you think about we, 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 what do we pay for Casemiro? 70? 70, yeah. So it's probably, probably 100. Yeah, you're probably right. 100 plus. And, and I think that, that's your man. That yes, that's goals, 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 and you got a leader there as well. Yeah, um, and I think I think his his injury luck's been quite decent now as well. I think he's been quite um, free of injury for a year or two. For me, that that's the the, the no brainer purely for the fact that there is such a distinct lack of a top quality number nine out there on the market. I mean, this lad Liverpool have got yeah, but he laughs at him, but. He's quick, he's raw, you, and you, you can see in his head what he's trying to do. Sometimes, yeah, it doesn't always come off for him. But I, th I think long-term, he'll come good for them because uh, he's so young. But but it is good fun to laugh at him. Oh, yeah, it's always, it's, always good, it's always good fun to laugh at them, always. But they've got a player there who you just you need nurturing a bit. Um, and 
who else is is there out there? Like I said, I just I, I just don't see him. I mean, uh, it, it kind of goes to show that, that Mbappe. Basically, let's ignore the fact that Mbappe exists because well, that's not going to happen, and ignore the fact that Haaland exists because he's just a freak. Um, and there aren't there won't be many forward slash any other strikers who have the ability to come. I mean, there aren't. He's scored twenty one goals in what fourteen games? How many games he's done it in? It's ridiculous. I mean, the adjustment time required. Nunes is, and I think he's struggling a little bit because they they really need him to perform straight away because they need goals. Like they're quite desperate after Mane. I think that's hit them and hurt them probably more than they expected it to. Yeah. But, but the only other one to say come August, Lewandowski, if you can prize him away from Barcelona, but he's nah, thirty five. He's thirty five. Nah. Come with thingy. Okay. I'm not. I'm not having Lewandowski. Which is a weird thing to say, but if, in in that conversation, Kane or Lewandowski, and you're only going. Oh right. yeah, oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I'm just talking if Kane, if Kane's not on the table. All oh, right, if Kane's not on the table. Well, there's going to be others like that. Marcus Turam is the one that we've been linked with. Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's the French striker. Came off the bench in the final. A half time, I think he came on actually. Um, he's available for relatively cheap because he runs out. His contract runs out. So United could, in theory, try and poach him in January for a fee. But it just seems like we're not going to be going after anybody that commands a fee. We're not paying 21 million euros for Jao Felix for a five month loan deal considering Lukaku cost, I think, 9 million euros for the season for Inter Milan. Mm. So, like, I thought Madrid are just, basically, they fucked up on paying however much, what, 120 million they paid for Jao Felix when he was a teenager? Yeah. They've overpaid for him and they want to try and recoup a bit of that by mm. overcharging someone for a loan. And United, United won't buy that. We won't, and I don't think Arsenal will either. So, if we get Jao Felix, it's going to be towards the end of January. Um, It is what it is. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm not particularly hopeful. I don't think that it looks unless there's, unless there's a, a deal that like, there's random names like Chipper Mutting being linked from like Bayern Munich, and it's like a proper Igalo type signing. I'm like, oh my god, right, another one. And I just don't see. I don't see it moving the needle that much. Could, could we Ten be Hag looking at those two game. games though against City and Arsenal and thinking, all right, we bounce out of those two games with four points, a marvelous six, and think. All right now we got we got seven eight days to go into the market here and get a striker. Possibly, I mean that's leaving it late, especially in a January transfer window. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Ten Hag, now that he knows that United literally don't have any money, and we are just waiting for new owners for this next step to happen because we overspent in the summer. We did. We weren't expecting to spend that much. The club fucked up. We did it after Brighton and Bent Brentford. We bit the bullet. We overpaid, but it worked. It definitely worked. Um, and now we've just got nothing left in the coffers until the Glazers leave. But, mate, at some point in the next three months, hopefully we're having a party pod because that's that's what they're aiming for, uh, a full sale in Q1. So by the end of March, the Glazers aren't owners of Manchester United. That's hopefully a conversation we're having. Uh, but as a final note here, I want to highlight something that I was quite excited about. Uh, Simon Muddock from the Mirror breaking the news that um, Ten Hag's taken over control of the under-21s team. Um, he's not going to be there week in, week out coaching the under-21s and being on the, in, in, the, in the dugout. That's not what he's doing. But he's kind of taking control over the positions that the players are playing in. And effectively, what he wants to do is he did the exact same thing at Ajax. Oversaw the transition from reserves football to first-team football and tries to make that transition as easy as possible. So you're going to start seeing our reserves, under-21s, under-18s, 
start playing similar styles of football. They're going to learn the pressing techniques. They're going to learn the football. I imagine the same sort of training drills. Remember those training drills that we all saw from Ten Hag at United at the very start? One, two players running at each other, one, one player in the middle, all about one-touch football. It's the sort of fundamentals that will exist at United now after Ten Hag leaves. Uh, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, I just wanted to know, you, I suppose, your, your opinions on that, lads, and whether you, whether you see that as... Because Ten Hag's really... That's Ten Hag like, okay, cool. I'm comfortable with the first team and where we are at this moment. Mm-hmm. I'm, ready to, I'm ready to do this. Because he said he talked to John Murtaugh about it before he even took the job. So it was kind of like part of the initial interview. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fundamental for... It should be fundamental for any Manchester United manager, really, to always look to promote from within. And if you you do unearth some gems, then you're saving yourself a significant amount of money. I mean, if you, if you look at, like to so say, Liverpool got Trent Alexander-Arnold, City got Foden, we had Rashford, and obviously later Voldemort. Um, so you, if you unearth players like that, and they turn them to top quality world world class players, you're saving yourself a hundred, hundred and fifty. Like Casemiro's talking about Rashford in his eyes potentially being a top five world player. That's all. Rashford's always had the ability in his locket, so it's that mental thing that comes with being a top player. Um, so if the pathway to the first team is the same, like you're playing the same type of football, so the issue's always been you bring a, a younger player in and he looks like a fish out of water, where suddenly if, you, if, if you're not and that suddenly that transition from the reserves to the first team is going to be easier, then yeah, it, it can only be a bonus, but I hope it doesn't come at a, a detriment to his work with the first team, which is the the bread and butter, really. Matt, what's your take on it, Matt? Well, for me, if I was Donny van der Beek, I'd be loving it. I'd be thinking I'm going to get another, I'm going to get a proper game of football now. So uh, <laughs> he's got two teams to be picked for. No, it's uh, it's it's. I don't know which I don't know which uh, which football club it was. I, probably, I think it was Ajax, where the under nines, the under twelves, all the unders played the same style of football all the way up. So. If the under-15s needed a left winger, they called on the under-14s to step up. I think it was Ajax. And, and he's trying to get right. that... It Was it, pardon? Barcelona do similar things. Was it? But Yeah, it's one of the big ones. And it's having that culture, that the way the way we do things, the same with Marcus Rashford. You turn up late for a meeting, yep, you're overslept, but guess what? Rules are rules, you're dropped. Simple as that. No arguing, no huffing and puffing, on bang, go. Simple as that. And it's they hugged at the end of it, which is great to see. So he's got the respect, and one of you called it there, or you might both call it with the gas that a pathway it is a pathway, and he will give youth a go. I think there's players in there. Does he? I don't think he trusts. I think you, going back to the transfer, I think there might be some exits as well this this, this window. Uh, but I think you're going to see more youngsters come through. I think he likes of he had Kobe was on the bench, wasn't he? Uh, on against Wolves. Yeah, so, and you you look at that, he's itching to get him on. You might see him tomorrow night. It's We've got some big games coming up. Charlton's obviously around the corner. But I think it's, 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 he's taking on the biggest club in the world with the biggest project. And now he's taking on another little bit because that's the next part of the project. So it's exciting. Yeah, man, that's, that's kind of the way I see it. I see it as, <clears throat> I see it as just the next the next piece of the jigsaw that he's laying down. 
Uh, there's other parts that include getting a new striker, that include more, more players leaving, that include United actually pressing from the front, United actually being able to play out from the back with the ball 10 times better than we still can't really do it that well. And it's just, I like it. It's just, he's just continuing to take control over more areas of the club that only mm. increases effectiveness as a manager. And I'm just, I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. I'm loving the fact that we've got, we made the right choice. We finally made the right choice with the manager. And he's had, mate, he's had a tough opening six months with a lot of things going against him. The mm. results, the Ronaldo thing, um, no money in January now, Sancho situation. And there's other speed bumps that have happened too. And he's he's coped with every single Every single thing that's tried to knock him off kilter, he's coped with it. Coped with it pretty well. And United now, as I said, we beat Bournemouth. Hopefully we do. We give ourselves a really good cushion. And then Newcastle playing Arsenal and City playing Chelsea. Next week, we could come back. It could be a cracking week. But look, it's good to be back on the pod. It's, it's good to head into 2023 with some real positivity. Um, and yeah, uh, unlucky Liverpool. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it ending on that. <laughs> I haven't finished, by the way. You're still here. <laughs> <laughs> but look, uh, cheers, cheers, mate. Nice, nice to talk to you, lads. Really is. Uh, I missed it. Oh, speak to you soon. The Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The briefing room is for anyone who wants to understand the perspective of law enforcement. It's an opportunity for us to talk about what cops are doing out on the street from day to day, why cops do what they do, and also to discuss where cops go out of bounds. When we're out on patrol, when we go to a call, when we make a traffic stop, it's not always about enforcement. What we're doing with the briefing room is we're trying to educate the public. It's not about a lecture. It's, you probably didn't know this is why the police are doing this. And hopefully we can provide the answers to our listeners. The Briefing Room launches January 27th, wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.